Good evening, everybody. My name is Tim Pounds. I'm the digital content manager here and the podcast manager for the Carolina Weather Group. Right now, you're looking at the Charleston radar out of Charleston, South Carolina, looking at Hurricane Dorian. And tonight's show, we're going to be covering all things Hurricane Dorian. So now I'm going to throw it over to our good friend, Scotty Powell. Here we go, Scotty. Thank you, Tim, and welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. Uh, if you are expecting to see Stuart Williams, our um, friend meteorologist from the PGA Tour, to do his regularly scheduled show, we would get that rescheduled for you. But as you all know, uh, we do have Hurricane Dorian, and Dorian is uh, looking uh, at the uh, the Carolina coastline a little bit closer than, than I think we want to see. Uh, Dorian just off of the coast of Jacksonville, Florida, approaching the Savannah and Charleston areas. So we're going to get those latest uh, information here in just a little bit from uh, our meteorologist, uh, tropical meteorologist, Shay Gibson. But before we do that, uh, this is a live program and we know a lot of you are watching tonight and a lot of you will probably have some questions and comments. So here's how tonight's going to go. We're going to give you a forecast. We're going to break down the specifics, wind forecast, storm surge, rainfall threat, tornado threat, we're going to talk about the evacuations for South and North Carolina, and then we're going to turn to your questions and comments. So if you have any questions, comments, feel free to uh, submit them throughout the show, uh, but we're really going to focus on those uh, midway through the show, and we want to make sure we get as many uh, questions answered as possible. So uh, keep sending those questions in, and we'll get to them as much as, as we can, but just kind of give you an idea of what uh, tonight's uh, show is going to look like. So as we... Um, focus on uh, the approach of Hurricane Dorian. I want to give it over to our meteorologist, uh, tropical meteorologist, Shay Gibson. Shay, uh, we just had the 8 p.m. advisory in from the National Hurricane Center, so I'll let you kind of go over that and what we can look at or what we expect to see over the next day or so. Shay? Scotty, thank you very much. Yeah, the NHC, as of 8 o'clock p.m., the winds uh, at the 5 p.m. update actually went up to 110 miles per hour. Uh, the winds are holding at 110 miles per hour. The pressure has dropped a little bit down to 959. It was at 966 earlier, and we're seeing a steady pressure drop. It looks like the storm may be getting an organized core and actually strengthening a little bit. We could make it to a low-end Category 3 as this storm closes in on the coastline. I'll go ahead and pull my screen. Jared, am I okay to um, share or Tim? I guess that's a yes. All right. Yes, you're good to go. All right. I'll go ahead and uh, share here. And uh, what you're looking at is the GR Earth. And, and you see a lot of rotation now. This eyewall was pretty ragged earlier. Uh, it was pretty open along the northeast quadrant. Now we're seeing that close off with, with more of these oranges and more focused convection around the core. But it is over the Gulf Stream and moving towards the warm waters of the continental shelf as well. We're seeing the wind field expand. The um, NHC is also calling for winds, tropical storm force winds now expanding all the way up to about 195 miles beyond the center. The hurricane force winds extending out to 70 miles from beyond the center. So even if the storm heads close to the coastline, within 50 miles, you're still gonna have 20 miles to spare inland with hurricane force winds. Let me see if I can, um, I'm gonna stop share on that and flip over to another screen here. And I have to switch over to my monitor. Let's go ahead and take a look at the uh, wind alert storm track mapper and see what the local winds are doing. And uh, here's the core of the system here off the coast. We have a strong category two hurricane. We zoom in. We see that Huguenot Park in Florida near Jacksonville is, is uh, about 28 not 28 miles per hour with uh, gusts into the 30s. Things are ramping up for the Charleston area. We're seeing her tropical storm force sustained winds now with gusts into the 50s. We got near 60 earlier, about 57 miles per hour at 615 or 612, actually. Uh, we're seeing the booming readings going up as well. And as these tropical bands continue to wrap into the coastline, we're going to see those winds come up. 
When Yabe was also up earlier, now it's a little bit down. We're going to continue to see ups and downs with this wind um, in between the tropical banding. But as the storm draws closer to the coast, that wind field will expand and it will um, it will envelop the entire coastline. Looking at uh, COD GO16 imagery, we can see the focus of the convection really trying to ramp all the way around. We had some dry slotting earlier, which is making the eyewall rather ragged at this point. It looks like that's trying to close off. We could end up with a Category 3 storm as it nears the coast. It is anticipated to move to the northeast as it gets near the coast, paralleling it. We could see some portions of land get grazed along the Grand Strand area, maybe up near Winya Bay and northward up through the Grand Strand, grazing the northeast, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the southern North Carolina coast. The NAM 3, I'm going to run the NAM 3 from 6 o'clock p.m. Don't focus on the number in the middle because that is the, the pressure, and I don't think we're going to see a pressure uh, drop that great. But really what, what I want you to focus on is the center of the storm and the wind field around it. And as we go forward in time, we're looking at Thursday morning. This is early. This is right around one o'clock in the morning. We start to get close to the coastline, that wind field really ramping in along those coastal areas and up the coastal plain all the way to the Midlands. We'll start to see tropical storm force winds spreading all the way up, even up to 175 miles inland. And it gets very close. The NAM keeps this really close. The GFS and the Euro are a little bit more agreement to keep it a little further off the coast. So the NHC is in response to that. Their track does keep it off just a little bit. The NAM's a little bit more pessimistic when it comes down to it. Uh, look at the latest tracks in the NHC. Zoom in. <clears throat> we see just how close that's going to be. As a result of this, the storm surge, which I'll, I'll hand that over to Jared here in a little bit, that will be impacting the coastline as well to a higher degree. If the storm does increase in intensity, it's going to be more widespread, severe impacts well inland. Um, take a look at the uh, weather service slideshow. Here's the PowerPoint from 6 o'clock p.m. I'm going to briefly run this down the coast. We have uh, biggest concerns, storm surge inundation, windfall, I'm sorry, wind, rainfall, flooding, especially I-95 eastward to the coast, and the timing of strongest impacts expected now through the entire day of Thursday, and that includes the wraparound northwest winds that we'll see tomorrow night. Um, don't think we're out of the woods yet. That wind uh, actually has a, a real um, bad, um, more or less, takes out the power lines. It takes trees down more often. Uh, we could see a small wobble towards the coast, especially for South Carolina. That's what the NAM3 was showing, so they're, they're including that in their verbiage. Uh, don't focus on the exact forecast track because we could see a little bit of a westerly jog. Going down the list, we have impacts, hurricane, tropical storm force winds with damages to trees. Uh, we have life-threatening storm surge inundation. We have heavy rainfall and flooding expected. Isolated tornadoes possible well ahead of storm center. Tropical storm force, the hurricane force winds expected. Um, and we'll go through that in detail. This was from the 5 p.m. update. So we'll scroll down to the highest threats being winds, surge, and rainfall with flooding. Tornadoes being a little bit lower, but still a threat nonetheless. The forecast is even more confident. This arrow was a couple of bars down before. Now it's getting pretty high as the storm closes in that this is a high confidence forecast, what they're throwing out here right now. Hurricane watches and warnings. Uh, the tropical storm warnings now extend inland to Allendale and ports of, portions of the Columbia Weather Service. Uh, the Midlands are also going to be affected, so you'll see those popping up there. You may get some of those notifications on your phone, tropical storm warnings as the winds expand inland. Storm surge warning for all of the coastal empire of the Weather Service Charleston. We also have flash flood watches in effect that will likely change as the rainfalls start to total up. Potential wind impacts, we're looking at hurricane force winds all in the red here. Zoom in on that a little bit. And we can see all the way to Monk's Corner. So mainly east of I-95 of the corridor, inland by a few miles. And then towards the coast, we're gonna see a pretty good swath of, of hurricane force winds in the red area. 
Um, the potential is for winds 74 to 110 miles per hour. So the threat is real, folks. This is not a joke. This means that all of this air, all of these areas in red could feel winds up to those speeds. Maximum wind gusts, the weather service is now calling for 90 miles an hour for gusts along the immediate coastline. That's in this, this real deep red shade right here. We stay up near hurricane force into Beaufort, and then we get out towards upper tropical storm force winds all the way to Walterboro and even up into 47 miles per hour towards Allendale and, and portions inland as well. Storm surge impacts, we're looking at about four to seven feet for most of coastal South Carolina, at least from Savannah River up to, looks like uh, South Santee River. Um, beyond that, from there up through Myrtle Beach, we're expecting five to eight feet. So a significant surge threat up that way. I don't wanna keep going on and on. I could do a whole spiel on it, but there, there's some uh, areas up there that are very concerning. The Waccamaw River Basin, the Santee River, PD, Basin, all of those areas are at severe risk for major flooding. Rainfall totals, we could be seeing upwards of 10 to 15 inches for a large portion of the South Carolina coast pushing up into Southeast North Carolina. Hopefully by the time it makes its Northeast turn, it will drag out really quick through Friday and be out of here by Saturday. And that, that also will help the rainfall totals come down a little bit. Potential tornado impacts, here we are for the coastal counties of, of the uh, Weather Service Office Charleston. And those extend pretty far inland, and they may even go a little bit further into the Columbia area up towards Allendale. So we'll wait and see what they say. But I think most of that's going to start heading to the north. These tornado threats will be extended all the way up into North Carolina. In fact, they have been all the way through south, south of North Carolina. <clears throat> Once again, biggest concerns, storm surge inundation, wind, rainfall, flooding, time of strongest impacts now through Thursday. I think that's going to do it for me right now, Scotty, unless there's any questions from the panel. Yeah, Shay, would you uh, mind uh, maybe telling uh, telling our folks who live on coastal uh, North Carolina just how how those winds may factor into uh, areas like Wilmington up towards uh, the, the Outer Banks? Sure thing. Okay, so right now we have onshore flow. This is forcing a lot of water into the coastline. This gradient is going to tighten over the area overnight tonight. These tropical bands are already running right into the coastline. And we pull up uh, GRE. Get a better look at that. And we see here all of all of these, these showers and storms moving up into the, to the eastern North Carolina coast. This is all feeding off the Gulf Stream as well. So we could end up with some tornadic water spout activity moving on shore and cutting paths through and creating some damages up that way. The wind field, you can see which way the storm is spinning counterclockwise. As it goes up the coastline, those onshore winds increase, increasing the storm surge. And the rainfall amounts and so what we're going to have is a wraparound flow and that goes along for the south carolina coast as well the onshore flow is strongest to the barrier islands and the outer capes that's who's going to feel it the most but as as the storm winds up to the north these folks behind it we're going to see a strong northwest flow which is downslope flow all the way up through southern north carolina that tends to when you have trees bending in one direction with the onshore flow really hard and then the ground gets super saturated and then the winds switch up almost 180 degrees. Well, you end up with a lot of trees just pulling right out of the ground and falling over onto to property, cars, you name it. There's all kinds of damages. So don't underestimate when the storm gets off to the northeast. Don't underestimate that wraparound flow by any means because that tends to do a little bit more tree damage than what you would have expected. 
All right. Thank you for that, Shay. And uh, I know you've got some other duties, so um, feel free to stick around or if you need to jump, that that's that's fine, too. Uh, I want to uh, bring it over to uh, Jared Smith. Jared, uh, Shay was kind of touching a little bit on the storm surge, and that is a major concern for a lot of areas along the North and South Carolina coast. Uh, a lot of us remember Hurricane Florence last year. Matthew, uh, we've, we've dealt with several of these storms that brought in some storm surge, but this storm uh, looks like we could see a little bit higher storm surge, maybe uh, in portions of South Carolina. Yeah, absolutely, Scotty. And in fact, the uh, Hurricane Center has uh, issued some additional guidance uh, for perhaps a little bit more surge with advisory 46. We've generally been advertising uh, about four to six, four to seven feet of storm surge uh, in the uh, on the Charleston coast. Uh, now that might get actually a little bit higher. Uh, let me share this here for you real quick. Let me just, uh, I'm going to get this shared. And what I'm going to show you guys is a graphic that the hurricane center put out um, to uh, kind of illustrate the uh, storm surge situation as it goes. So, uh, so this is a storm surge flooding potential. You'll notice that we have storm surge warnings stretching from all the way from Palm coast, Florida, all the way up South Carolina, all the South Carolina coast, all the North Carolina coast, all the way up past Norfolk. So storm surge is going to be a major factor from this up and down the East coast. Um, uh, as uh, Dorian continues, continues its trek up. And now Dorian has been strengthening uh, a little bit. It's also been pushing a lot of water. And so, Regardless of whether it was is going to be a cat one, cat two when it passed by here, um, it was still that water was moving. That water was already moving with it. And, and when you broaden the wind field, um, as is happening now, um, it will uh, as it gains latitude, that helps it push more water. And so we have a pretty significant storm surge, four to seven feet possible um, from the Savannah River up to about a. Uh, uh, Calton County waters there about Edisto Beach and then um, and then getting up uh, really from uh, Charleston up to Myrtle Beach is the highest uh, possible is the uh, biggest concern for storm surge about five to eight feet and again if you look at the if, if, if you look at the the way that Dorian is coming up and you look at the geography uh, it kind of makes sense that we would be building up a little bit more water there uh, as we get back into North Carolina it'll be closer to four to seven feet um, as, uh, as you get, uh, beyond the grand strand into Wilmington and, uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina, and then on the outer banks, four to six feet, uh, and then two to four feet going up towards, uh, Virginia. So we have, uh, so surge is going to be a, a, it's going to be an issue from this. And it's something that we're going to have to, um, you know, take very seriously. Uh, we're starting to see the surge build up now. If I'm going to, let me grab the, uh, water levels from the Charleston Harbor here real quick. I'm going to share again. And. And, and what this is going to show um, is the predicted tide levels, and then it's going to show the um, actual tide levels. And so I'm going to hit this guy here. should let me know when you see it. Looks like we've got it. So here is um, so here is our. I'm going to update this plot. Just make sure I've got the most recent data here. So here's our um, so here's our tide here, and we uh, we hit low tide about a oh, little little after seven o'clock, and that was supposed to be at about zero point three five feet. Um, it was the tide at the time was two point eight six feet. So that's about a two and a half foot surge already being indicated here. Uh, on the departure uh, with the departure here. Now we're seeing that departure jump a little bit again. This is this fluctuates a little bit. So it's been about two two and a half uh, feet, um, kind of off and on. And so 
we're, we are seeing that surge begin to uh, show itself. And, and the big concern for Charleston tonight in particular is the potential for a 10-foot tide in the harbor. That would be uh, third on record. That would be behind Hugo and the 1940 hurricane, which was unnamed. So uh, give, give you all a general idea of kind of what we're, what we're up against here. Um, this is still moving a pretty significant amount of water. Again, you don't have to have a Cat 4 storm to have significant storm surge. If you look at Irma a couple years ago, going up the Gulf Coast, we still had, we had a higher storm surge from Irma than we did from Matthew. So that puts everything in perspective for you all. So again, um, evacuations, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but they evacuate because of surge. They don't necessarily evacuate because of wind. And, um, and that's why the, the coastline is evacuated, Scotty. And Jared, you and Shay and even Evan, um, you guys all live in, in Charleston. And uh, even before Dorian came in, you, you were experiencing these king tides and the high tides. So this has been an ongoing issue over the past mm -hmm. week or so. Absolutely. We were uh, doing major flooding pretty routinely. Um, we were we were topping out over eight feet a couple times last week. And what that did is that that was a little bit of a, a water loading. And so when the tide went out, there was still water in the marsh. And so we, so we've already got that kind of setting the table for now this hurricane that's coming up. And so that's where really this the search thing has really spooked a lot of us uh, uh, in the Charleston weather community over the last several days and rightfully so. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you there, Jared. I mean, our beaches are weak now. I mean, we, we've mm -hmm. seen pictures of uh, the water coming up and cutting into the dunes and, and trees down on the beach, mm -hmm. like palm trees from backyards and whatnot. So there's some areas, I think, uh, what is it, uh, southern tip of Isle of Palms and the northeastern tip of Sullivan's Island are both from Breach Inlet. The water just ripping through there. All these spits mm -hmm. in these channels are getting worn out. Even 12th Street flooded over into the street near Fort Moultrie, into the actual grassy area. So yeah, we're, we're already in, we, we've been in flood mode for about a week and a half. I wouldn't mm -hmm. say a week and a half, about a week now going into this. Yeah. It's going to take the wind shifting around to the Northwest to cut off the flood threat. Um, and it's kind of questionable when that's going to happen. Um, you know, there'd been a lot of uh, uncertainty there as far as the, uh, as far as what time the center would pass North of uh, our latitude. And it seems like now we're going to have a, 10 foot tide overnight. And then we may have another 10 foot tide Thursday afternoon. So surge, definitely a problem in Charleston and throughout the Carolinas, Scotty. And not only is the storm surge going to be uh, bringing flooding, but also the rain. And so uh, that's what we want to talk about right now. This is, uh, this is from the national hurricane center. Uh, they issue these uh, updates every, um, every couple of hours of the rainfall potential. And you can see, um, let me get this uh, going because I just learned that we can draw on this. So let me uh, show you. Here is the area that we are looking at to see the most rainfall. That would be from, let's say, the entire South Carolina coast up to the Wilmington area. That's where we could see anywhere between 6 to 10, maybe 10, maybe uh, a few locations, 10 to 15 inches of rainfall uh, from Dorian. And then as you get up into the uh, Pamlico and Albemarle Sound, there's another little area that we could see that much rain in eastern North Carolina. And then as we go just off the coast and places like Florence and back into Lumber, or um, back into uh, Bergal, up into uh, Greenville, North Carolina, we could see a good six to 10 inches of rain um, in those areas. So again, the rainfall is going to be another issue. And again, here's that little, that little highlighted area 
along the South Carolina, North Carolina coast. And we all know that this area uh, has seen the uh, flooding from Matthew and Florence uh, last year. And so uh, more flooding, I guess one good thing is, is um, before Dorian moving in, it's been kind of dry down there. Some locations in the drought monitor index. Uh, so no, we can't take 10 to 15 inches of rain all at one time, but at least uh, we're not totally saturated like we were with uh, Florence last year. So that is one thing I do want to show you. Um, here's kind of another, um, let me get out of this first. Here is another look at uh, what is uh, what is going to go on here. And let me, um, we're moving with uh, new stuff here. So here's the uh, potential for flash flooding. It's a high uh, risk of flash flooding in South Carolina and North Carolina. So that is over 50% chance of excessive rainfall of seeing flash flooding. So uh, if you live in Charleston, Myrtle Beach, Georgetown, up into Wilmington, Sunset Beach, uh, up into uh, Topsail Island, uh, Buford, Moorhead City, uh, places like that up in the Carteret County, uh, that is where we're going to see a lot of rainfall. So you need to be on the uh, the lookout for that because um, this area is going to be the prime uh, area to see flash flooding. As you move inland over Florence, maybe up into Lumberton, places like that, there is a moderate risk of seeing flash flooding, even up into Greenville. And then we get this little narrow area of slight. This would be Rocky Mount over towards South Carolina, and then we got the uh, marginal extends from Columbia area all the way through um, Monroe up into the Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina. So I uh, definitely could see that. I do want to go over to one more product. Uh, let me um, do this and share off uh, one more thing here. And uh, this is from the Wilmington or the Raleigh office. Uh, this is kind of just what uh, the rainfall looks like for North Carolina. You can see that 10.09 inches of rain in Wilmington up towards Buford, 8.27, New Bern, 8.74. In this area, all too familiar with the flooding. So uh, even over here in Manio, over eight inches of rain in eastern North Carolina. I also wanted to show you the wind gust. Uh, this is also out of the Raleigh. You can really see, uh, we could see some wind gusts up to 100 miles per hour in Wilmington, 106 possibly in the Buford area. Uh, and those high winds continue in the Outer Banks. And then as you get back towards Raleigh, uh, Greenville, Raleigh, uh, Goldsboro, we could see anywhere between 35 to 55 mile per hour gusts. And then if you get into the Charlotte, Greensboro area, 25 to 35 mile per hour gusts. And then Western North Carolina, we could see up to 25 mile per hour gusts in that area. So uh, those are some of the rainfall. There was one more graphic I wanted to show you, I think, maybe not. Okay. Yeah, that was a uh, what I was wanting to show you for the rainfall potential in North and South Carolina. So uh, not only are we going to deal with storm surge, but we're going to deal with another round of heavy rain. And that heaviest rain right now looks to fall anywhere between Charleston and the Wilmington area along the coastal areas. And also with landfalling tropical systems, we have to deal with the tornado threat. So Evan, I'm going to hand that over to you and let you kind of highlight the uh, tornado threat for uh, the Carolinas. Yeah, thanks, Scotty. So luckily, we're looking at a, a bit of more of a diminished, uh, trying to get my thing. There we go. Mm, there is. Hold on, y'all. Right, I'm going to stop sharing for a sec. 
And, and for those who are watching, we're using this new programming. Um, so if you're watching for the first time, we're, we're still trying to work out the technical glitches, but I think we got it now, Evan. Yeah, my pause. I got it now. Yeah. So luckily, we're looking at a bit more of a diminished tornado threat um, than we typically than we see with a lot of hurricanes, although it is certainly still there. You can see here with uh, National Weather Service in Charleston has issued the potential for a few tornadoes. If you look at the legend down here over the entire area from Savannah all the way up to uh, really just south of Virginia Beach. Um, and luckily, this isn't much of a much of an issue, although it still be, will be an issue, but not as big of an issue as the storm surge uh, and not as big of an issue as some of the strong winds that we're going to see along the coast. And we are going to be seeing a few uh, storms in the northeastern quadrant. Um, that I would show you, except for there's a weird bar in the way. Um, so we're going to stick with this map for now. Um, but we're going to see storms in the northeastern quadrant coming onshore like this. Um, and I'll actually share my, I'll share the radar so I can show you what I mean. Um, here we go. So you're going to see storms. These storms generally right in this area are, are going to be moving northwest onto the shore over the course of the next you know, 24 to 48 hours. Um, and a lot of these set cells are going to have little spin-ups inside of them, not necessarily major tornadoes like we see uh, out west, um, not EF3, EF4, but short little quick spin-ups that are really hard to forecast. These are going to be moving into the shore, possibly coming ashore as uh, uh, water spouts first, and then transition to tornadoes. So everywhere from you know, roughly the Savannah area down where the hurricane is currently all the way up as the storm moves northeast and heads out to sea, uh, everyone's going to see it, that slight risk of a tornado. Uh, and I would love to have shared the, I was going to share the, share the NAM 3K, but for some reason my computer is giving me issues all of a sudden. Um, but generally that's what we're looking at for tornado issues. All right. Thank you for that, Evan. And uh, you can never count out that tornado threat. One thing I want to share before I hand it over to Jared talking about evacuations. I knew I had another slide. It just it was um, hidden from me. But here is the uh, the rainfall for South Carolina. And Jared, this is what I want to show you. Between uh, 10 to 15 inches forecasted uh, possibly for the Charleston area and then up into the Myrtle Beach area. So uh, definitely you guys, you were talking about the mm -hmm. evacuations. We really are evacuating for the water instead of mm -hmm. The wind and so this rainfall on top of storm surge is why we're seeing those evacuations take place in South Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as that rainfall goes, we're not gonna we're gonna really see that ramp up uh, tomorrow. Uh, there's gonna be uh, you know we have a we have a short wave trough that's gonna be coming in and kicking this guy hopefully a little more east and get him out of here. Uh, but that is also going to help. Um, create some uplift on the west side of the storm that is going to really make for some efficient rainfall right at the coast. And so knowing that, uh, Governor McMaster a couple days ago issued evacuation orders for the coast of South Carolina. So uh, so these are the zones. These are the zones that are uh, evacuated right now. Orion Georgetown evacuation zone A, Charleston, Dorchester, and Berkeley County evacuation zones A, B, C, D, and G. Colton County Evacuation Zones A and B, Beaufort County Evacuation Zone A, and Jasper County Evacuation Zone A. So that's that's mostly along the coast. Um, and and again, you you run from the water and hide from the wind, and that's the and that is the mo behind these evacuations. Uh, lane reversals have ended. Uh, I twenty six and uh, two seventy eight were reversed for a time to help. Uh, facilitate the smooth evacuation of uh, residents from places like Beaufort, Hilton Head, and then uh, Charleston, of course. Um, those lane reversals have ended as of noon today. So at this point, it's normal traffic. And really, if you haven't gone yet, it's getting close to be too late. 
Um, we do have uh, the, the, the rain bands are just going to get more and more intense. They're just going to get stronger and stronger. The winds are going to get stronger. We have more trees going out, more power outages. Um, best thing you can do at this point is stay off the roads and uh, shelter in place um, and just uh, ride it out. So uh, South Carolina does not have a monopoly on evacuations. Isn't that right, Scotty? Yeah, that is right. We do have some in North Carolina. So um, let me uh, share this for you guys. And I want to show you what we've got going on here. So make sure this loads up first. So this is um, a lot of counties, but we don't have zones in North Carolina like they do in South Carolina. So it's a little bit more complicated. So uh, this is uh, from the uh, Emergency Management Office uh, in North Carolina. So Buford County, Voluntary evacuation for low-lying and flood-prone areas. Brunswick County, a mandatory evacuation for all barrier islands. And this was an executive order from the governor. Uh, also, voluntary evacuations for low-lying areas prone to flooding um, in Brunswick County. And then Carteret County, countywide voluntary evacuation. Town of Buford, a mandatory evacuation as of 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Curatuck County, a mandatory evacuation for the outer banks of Curatuck County. Uh, that started today at um, 8 a.m. Dare County, mandatory evacuation for all visitors starting at noon. Uh, yesterday, mandatory evacuation for all residents. That started today at 6 a.m. Uh, Duplin County, low-line and flood-prone areas for voluntary. Um, Hyde County, a mandatory evacuation for Overcroak visitors, effective at 5 a.m. yesterday, and then a mandatory evacuation started today at 5 a.m. A mandatory evacuation also for mainland Hyde County becomes effective at 5 a.m. Uh, this morning. Jones County, voluntary evacuations. Uh, New Hanover, this one is, um, this one can be a little bit complicated. Uh, mandatory evacuation ordered for residents and visitors of Carolina Beach, Curry Beach, Riceville Beach, and Figure Eight Island. Uh, these are all uh, barrier islands. Uh, that started this morning at 8 a.m. In addition, New Hanover County and City of Wilmington residents in areas prone to flooding or storm surge, as well as residents in travel trailers, mobile homes, and homes still damaged from Hurricane Florence are under a voluntary evacuation. Onslow County voluntary evacuations, Pamlico, Passaquane, and Sampson County all under uh, all under voluntary uh, evacuations, as is Washington County. So that's kind of a breakdown of the um, uh, evacuations. Uh, we do have some storm shelters, uh, public storm shelters. We have one in, uh, let me see, let's go up here, scroll up here to the top. We have three in Brunswick County, uh, North Brunswick and South Brunswick High School, as well as West Brunswick School. Uh, Columbus County has five, Duplin has four, Durham, this is going to be the, um, the mega uh, shelter that the state runs. Uh, this is going to be operated out of the old Sears building at the Northgate Mall in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, this is going to be um, one of the bigger uh, shelters that they have in place. Jones County has one shelter open. New Hanover has three shelters open. Pitt County has six shelters open. Uh, these are all in the Greenville area more of a populated area. So those are some of the uh, uh, shelters and you can see by this map of the shelters <clears throat> all in Eastern North Carolina. So that is what um, the shelter situation and the evacuation situation looks like in North Carolina. Evan, I think you got your uh, computer model to work there. So I'll throw it to you before we get to questions. Yeah, thanks Scotty. Uh, so, you know, I had everything all lined up just like I, I thought I needed and didn't work, that's all right. 
So I'm going to show you all the NAM 3K. Um, and be watching the area just to the northeast of the storm. You're going to see these cells forming just in that area right there. And those are going to be the ones that we really need to watch as they're kicking out and away from the storm right there. They're going to be uh, rotating and coming onto shore with potential tornadoes, um, all of them short-lived and brief. Um, but we can walk this through all the way until it gets out of the coast. You can see all along the way those cells are going to be present. Um, so that that risk will be there the entire time. And it's not impossible to get you know, some tornadic activity out of some of these other cells um, off to the west and, and even down towards the south. But that northeast area will be the primary uh, area of concern. That. Yeah, and, and these, Evan, are going to be pretty quick spinners, too. So you'll see yeah. a tornado warning in maybe five, ten minutes. It, it's gone. So uh, let's get to these questions, uh, Jared and Evan. The first one that I see is the one that a lot of people are asking. And so um, this one is from Susan Keck, and she's wanting to know, where is the eye coming over shore? When is the eye coming ashore, and where will that happen? And so that's kind of been the million-dollar question, hasn't it, Jared? Yep. And the correct answer is that nobody knows. Um, it, it, it is uh, still very fluid. It could come ashore at Charleston. It could come ashore uh, in the Outer Banks. It could come ashore at Wilmington. It could come ashore at Myrtle Beach. Uh, it might not come ashore at all. That's, a, that's still a possibility that's out there. Granted, not a, very, not a very high possibility at this point based on the trends that we've seen in the models. Um, it's really uh, it's really tough to say if there's going to be a direct landfall anywhere in South Carolina. North Carolina, I think, is a better shot at it. Um, somewhere uh, between Wilmington and the Outer Banks. Um, if but any westward wobble changes the whole equation, as you might remember from Matthew. We, you know, the landfall point it was expected to continue to uh, to recurve, and it actually started interacting with the land a little bit. It came ashore at McClellanville, South Carolina, which is just north of Charleston. So. We could see, um, you know, we, we could see a, a landfall that's, you know, not explicitly forecast. And so, that again, that was one of the reasons why we were asking people to prepare as if this was a landfalling hurricane, like this was a sure thing. Prepare for a Cat 2, Cat 3 uh, hurricane strike. Um, wasn't hyperbole. It's, uh, you know, it's certainly something that remains a possibility and will continue to be a possibility until that eye gets north of your latitude. Yeah, and to be honest with you, just looking at some of the radar and satellite, it, it's a little unnerving to see uh, this storm track closer and closer to the coast. So uh, anywhere in South or North Carolina could could definitely see um, could see the landfall. Another question coming from Cheryl. She said, "I live in uh, Kershaw County. Thought I was far enough inland to avoid the storm, but schools are closed and the county open a shelter for tonight. Should I be worried?" And so Cheryl. Um, uh, Kershaw County definitely can see some uh, some gusty winds, some heavy rain. Uh, I'm not sure if they're under their tropical storm warning or not, but inland tropical storm warning. Um, but uh, you know, a lot of these storms, or a lot of these uh, areas, are also serving as shelters for folks who are uh, evacuating from the coast. So probably not a bad idea to have uh, schools um, closed for tomorrow. And uh, I don't think you should be worried. Just be weather aware and know that we are going to see some heavy rain and some gusty winds and uh, when anytime we get some gusty winds and heavy rain that will allow for some trees to fall down so uh, but nothing that uh, at this point looks to be really severe that far inland into South Carolina so that is hopefully that'll help you out with uh, your answer so um, let's see another one a closure of information and beach curfews 
Um, I, I did see earlier today that um, Surfside, South Carolina, this is just south of Myrtle Beach, uh, they do have a curfew, uh, I think that went in effect at 8 o'clock tonight and is in effect until the storm reaches, uh, passes the area. So um, I, I'm not sure about any others. That's just one that I called earlier today. Um, Erica is also making a point about the schools. 30 mile per hour winds and over. Jerry, do you and Evan know this uh, from the closing of the bridge there in Charleston? But school buses, I think it's once the winds are 35 miles per hour over, bridges and, and high profile vehicles like that are, are asked to uh, either stop or the bridges are closed. Yeah, you're kind of at um, you're kind of at the mercy of uh, you know what you ex- what you accept for personal safety at that point. Uh, here in Charleston, we treat it as a uh, at your own risk kind of deal. Evan, I don't know how it is up in your neck of the woods. Yeah, no, I think that uh, what I was reading yesterday was that once winds are sustained at 40 miles or above, the state troopers and everyone else is standing or waiting on the bridge to help. Uh, they pull back because it's too dangerous for them. Uh, 30 miles an hour, I think they start issuing some kind of advisory, but uh, unless I'm incorrect here, Jared, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the bridges don't technically close. They just advise you not to travel on them. Yep, that is correct. The, the bridges do not close. They just say you're on your own. Um, and, and it's not just the bridges. I mean, it, it, you're going to find that, um, you know, different municipalities and, and counties, jurisdictions have different uh, operating rules for uh <clears throat> for their emergency services. Uh, North City of North Charleston shuts down after sustained winds of 50 miles per hour. Meanwhile, Dorchester County, South Carolina, they pull everybody off when it goes to tropical storm force. And so, so again, it, it, it's something that you might want to check with your local municipalities on too. Um, I can also say, uh, going back to the curfew thing a little bit, uh, Folly is closed. You cannot get onto Folly without an ID. Uh, that says you're a resident. So nobody on Folly Beach, I mean, unless you live there. Um, so that's that's one, and I believe that they've instituted a curfew. I'll have to go back and check. Um, but there is no curfew in the city of Charleston. The mayor has been given that power, but he has not instituted a curfew yet. So um, not really there. I will say also on Polly's Island, they've actually shut water off to Polly's Island. So um, might just not want to be there anyway. Um, so, uh, so little, little, break in, little break in news here. Um, hurricane hunters have now found pressure of 954 millibars with a 10 second wind speed of 114 miles per hour. And if that was to continue, we may see a category three Dorian at the 11 PM update. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and they can issue, I mean, they can issue that upgrade at, with the nine o'clock and 10 o'clock updates too. So, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if it was sooner, truth be told. I think they want to evaluate that data, but um, I certainly believe it. I certainly believe it that the, uh, the, uh, the, the eye is very impressive. I mean, the, the uh, I'm looking at the satellite here a little bit. I mean, it is a really just impressive storm. It wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah. And Jared, you and you and Evan live down in Charleston. Um, the Gulf Stream. A lot of folks don't realize, but the Gulf Stream does have a, a big effect on some of these systems. Uh, it's kind of a narrow band of warm water. Some call it bath water, but that's what these tropical systems need: is this warm water. And, and it's well, where it's located is is going over the, the Gulf Stream right now. Yeah, absolutely. And the water's warm all the way up to the coast. It's not just twenty miles off the coast. 
Um, but that bath water, like you're talking about, is laps all the way up onto uh, Folly Beach and onto all the beaches there. But the water temperatures have been somewhere in the mid 80s um, in recent weeks. So that's just plenty of fuel for that storm to feast on. Um, and without any significant shear, um, while the storm is very broad, which makes it tough to strengthen, um, it will slowly and likely gradually strengthen, uh, as we've kind of seen over the last hour with the uh, new Hurricane Hunter data. Yeah, uh, just looking through some more of the comments here. Um, I think we've got them all. Um, Annabelle's asking about Richland County governors. I did see uh, SCEMD, Emergency Management Department, and they tweeted out that the Richland County offices were going to be open tomorrow. So I think uh, everything will be a go in Columbia as of right now. Now, that could change, but as of right now, that's what it looks like. So. Um, guys, any closing comments? Uh, I don't see any more questions. Uh, Jared, you want to kind of give us a, a brief synopsis of what to look at over? Um, oh, go ahead, uh, Tim. You've got some news there as well. Ah, thanks for letting me break in here. Yes. I was gonna gonna elaborate on Cheryl's point just a little bit about the uh, schools closing in Kershaw County. You know, I actually had a tidbit about Augusta, Georgia, and Richmond County schools. Even though we're very far inland in Augusta, Georgia, about um, Richmond County schools are closed for the remainder of the week. They are serving as state shelters from everybody moving from Savannah and that coastal empire region of Georgia um, up towards Augusta. So. Just because schools are closing doesn't mean you should panic, but it does definitely mean that you should stay weather aware because we never know where the severest of this weather is going to hit. Those are great points there. Um, great points, Tim. That's, uh, I didn't know that they closed that far inland. That's, that's, that's something else. And this kind of goes back to, um, you know, will these school days have to be made up? And that'll, I've seen a couple questions like that. That'll be something that your local governments will have to um, have to determine. Uh, Troy Garris asks, how is it going to be in Lexington County, South Carolina? Uh, Jared, you're a little bit more closer to Lexington than I am. What, mm -hmm. what do you think um, for that area? As, as Dorian lifts north, you're going to get some some uh, of the western rain bands, but there's a really a sharp cutoff right after I-95. Um, nothing terribly severe. Might have a breezy day, breezy, a little bit of rain at times, but um, really Lexington County, Columbia, those areas, I think you're going to be fine. Uh, looking at just some of the looking at some of the model data looking at uh you know just uh how things are set up and what this what this is going to look like again it really this is a big east of 95 problem so uh wouldn't worry too much but you know just be ready for a windy rainy day definitely so and uh for those folks who may be watching um right now in the um charlotte area let's say greensboro winston-salem uh, Greenville, South Carolina area. Uh, we're just expecting to kind of see maybe a partly to mostly cloudy day, uh, some gusty breezes at times, maybe even a, a random rain shower. So I think most of the uh, area east, or I'm sorry, area west of Interstate 77, uh, I doubt that you see much in the air, in the way of rain, but you could see a stray shower or something, but more of a kind of just a breezy, cooler day with some cloud covers as, as Dorian passes off on Thursday and Friday. So um, one last question here before we uh, jump off. Actually, two questions. Eric is asking, do you guys have a, any gut feelings on when it's going to turn and where? <clears throat> hmm. Any gut feelings? Um, I've always, and this is just 
I've, I've been telling people if you live between Charleston and uh, Cape Lookout, just that that area is, is as far as the track it in, that area really needs, needs to be on the lookout for potential windfall. But uh, if that's that's what my gut's been saying for the past couple of days. But um, you guys, any any thoughts, any opinions? I would say that I'm Jerry, you may be able to speak to this a little bit more, but with Matthew, we did see that westward wobble. Um, so I wouldn't discount that kind of land interaction. I've only been living on the coast for a couple of seasons, uh, two hurricane seasons, so I'm not all that experienced in it. Um, but Jared, I don't. Can you could you maybe elaborate on with, with Matthew at least? How did that land interaction uh, happen? Yeah, sometimes these storms just uh, you, you know you, you get a wobble. I mean that's that's one thing that can happen. You just you just get a wobble, and uh, and it sends it ashore, and and that's it, and 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 all over. So that, that's one way that that can happen. Um, you, you know, you can have some of, you can have some of the, uh, the land friction actually help pull and steer the storm ashore, um, steers that vortex ashore. Uh, that can happen sometimes as well. And that maybe would happen with Matthew. I'd be interested to read, you know, a, a scientific breakdown of that. Admittedly, you know, I haven't got a chance to do that, but uh, it would, it's, it's certainly one of the theories there. And again, you know, something hugging the coast like this, it's just really you're threading a needle. Um, we've been threading a needle with Dorian for the last oh, week, two weeks. Um, and, and so like it, it could, you know, where, it, where it makes landfall, if it makes landfall still open questions. I mean, uh, my gut doesn't really tell me that, you know, doesn't really tell me much. I don't know that this, I don't know that this, you know, easterly turn, you know, is, uh, necessarily a guarantee, uh, right out of the gate and may, may strafe the coast. I mean, again, it, it's, this is tough. This is, this is a, a really tough one to look at. And we've got to look at the steering features aloft and see, you know, if, if they are going to be strong enough to, uh, to even push this guy around, especially if Dorian is strengthening. Yeah. And you can really see on that owl wall <clears throat> on the Western side, it, it's really starting to, um, to strengthen just a little bit. Uh, Jonathan asking kind of the same question. Uh, is there going to be an eastward turn or is it going to stay more north-northwest? And so, um, again, if you live anywhere along the South Carolina, North Carolina uh, coastline, uh, hurricane warnings are in effect. You know, that, that right there in, your, in itself tells you that you should be preparing for hurricane-like conditions. And, um, you know, this is getting close enough that even if it doesn't make a direct land, uh, you, you folks, especially living right along the coast, you're going to see hurricane force wind gusts at least as it um, as it moves up the coastline. So, um, hmm. so yeah, we're we're going to be continuing here. Oh, guys, uh, we have a friend that's joining us on the Facebook Live. Uh, our good friend Pat Warner checking in. Said good evening, gentlemen. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. I'm checking in from the Waffle House. So, Pat Warner. Uh, you may remember from the Waffle House, uh, he came on our show earlier this year talking about the Waffle House Index. Thankfully, right now, we've not heard of any Waffle Houses closing down, and so that's a good thing. Well, there, there may be one. Oh, there, we may have one. The Savannah Highway Waffle House, uh, just coming off of the, the Highway 17, uh, where 17 and 61 split just outside of downtown Charleston. It's elevated, but it may still be threatened with... Um, it may it may still be threatened with a little bit of uh, water, and so they've been running on a limited menu. 
Uh, it's not shut down yet, but there is a possibility that, that one could close. However, I have not heard of any other Waffle Houses closing. So Waffle House Index, we'll call that one an outlier. Uh, I think everything is still uh, pretty much a go for now, but we'll keep you posted. I think we're at full menu right now. So um, Erica asking with a gain in strength, could it go more inland than projected uh, or are the high pressure systems keeping it at bay? That's another, uh, what, what she's talking about is we have a cold front that is eventually going to come in and kind of move Dorian out to sea. But um that is uh, something we're going to have to watch. So uh, with the strengthening, um, definitely, as, as Jared was talking about, that land interaction, those wobbles, that land interaction could go ahead and almost push it into the into the coastline. But I, I still don't think it goes too far inland just because of that cold front that's going to be moving through the area and kind of sweeping it out. So, and, yeah, and again, uh, I, I want to reiterate one thing, Scotty, and I just want to re- reiterate for everybody here is that, you know, this a lot of this is speculation. The official National Hurricane Center track has this making a northeast turn Thursday morning. I just want to make sure that everybody understands that. This is, you know, you know we're, we're, we're watching the data and we know, and maybe that Hurricane Center track could change at 11 o'clock. But right now the forecast is for that to turn. And, I, and, the, and the Hurricane Center is not going to make, um, they're not going to make, you know, snap decisions based on one model run. They are very, very, very good at what they do. They are very, uh, you know, careful about that. So, yes, there is certainly the possibility we're on the edge of the cone. Two-thirds of the time, the track is within the cone. That's pretty good. Um, but there is that turn is forecasted. So, just but keep checking back. Definitely so. And that new track will come out at 11 p.m. So we're going to close with this. Jared, uh, Pat says, you are correct. That one has a tendency to flood, but right now it is open. So if you're in the Savannah area, you can go to that Waffle House and get you a waffle and some omelets and hash browns and whatever else your heart desires. Scattered, smothered, and convected. That's right. That's right. So uh, we thank you for watching tonight, the Carolina Weather Group. Uh, At one point, I've seen we had over 500 folks at one time watching. So uh, we appreciate you coming to us uh, as a source of information. Do know uh, there are a lot of sources out there. We recommend that you follow the National Hurricane Center and all your local weather offices, National Weather uh, Service offices out there. Uh, We also have some great media friends that are giving out constant information. So between all of us, you should have an idea of uh, what to expect in your area. But we're going to be around. Uh, Jared, I'll let you kind of pitch the Charleston weather to the folks who may be watching from maybe North Carolina who maybe has friends or family or just likes to visit Charleston. How Mm -hmm. can they follow you and what's going on in Charleston? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been running a live blog on chswx.com. Uh, just everything that's Dorian, everything happening here, just little tidbits and things like that. You can follow my Twitter feed at chswx, Charleston Weather. Um, on Facebook, Instagram, on the same name. Um, but the blog is really the best place to keep up with it. Uh, we're finding that um, you know it's just it's it's just much easier for me to type in one place and have everybody go to that as far and then we go for multiple platforms all over the place. So. Uh, chswx.com blogs there it's on it's stuck on the homepage live blog there we'll be um, actually be pushing an update there in a minute with some of the latest hurricane center stuff so uh, please stay tuned um, and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll get through this together as I always like to say we are you made a comment on a post a couple of days ago Charles Charleston is resilient and whatever does happen you guys will build back and fix and whatever you need to do to get everything going as quickly as possible. So uh, we're continuing to think of everyone who is affected by this. And uh, we can't uh, end the show without saying that our thoughts and prayers are for those folks in the Bahamas. And 
Um, I, I just heard of 20, at least 20 confirmed dead. And uh, we're just now starting to see images coming out of the Bahamas. And I'm afraid to, to say as we get into the weekend and into next week, once everything kind of clears up, uh, we're going to see some images out of there that will um, forever change how weather is viewed. Uh, just very uncharacteristic, a category five, just setting over an island for over a day. And so uh, we're definitely going to see some some bad images coming out of there, but uh, just know that uh, our thoughts and prayers are with those folks. And uh, we, we recommend that uh, once everything's passed through, uh, that you find some good charitable organizations and donate maybe money or time or supplies and, and help out all the folks, not only in the Bahamas, but also along the East Coast who experience anything from uh, Hurricane Dorian. So we appreciate you watching us. Uh, continue to stay with us throughout the show. We're going to, or throughout the event, we're going to continue pushing out uh, uh, press conferences from the governors of North and South Carolina. Also, uh, tomorrow, probably push out some videos out of uh, our webcams uh, network that we've got with resort cams and surf checks and every uh, a lot of other agencies that are letting us use uh, some of their webcams. We're going to be checking in on the coastal conditions, letting you know what's going on. And we'll also post uh, the latest information from the Hurricane Center and also our own commentary uh, here on our social media platform. So we appreciate you joining us tonight. Again, if you're in the path of Dorian, we hope that you are sheltered and hunker down and we will get through this event. But just remember, uh, if, if the event gets serious, don't venture out. Um, you don't need to put your lives at risk or any of the rescuers or first responders. And we'll be here to, to keep you up to date with what's going on in the Carolinas. For the Carolina Weather Group, uh, we hope you have a great rest of the evening and we will uh, continue to keep you updated on the latest on Hurricane Dorian.